Welcome to episode 43 of the BizTalk with Bill Roy podcast. We produce this podcast to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, and organizations that make up Wichita's important business community. We thank you for listening and thank you very much if you're a subscriber. When I say cryptocurrency, what comes to mind? Well, most of us wonder what it is and how it's used, and we hear about people making a ton of money with it, but we don't really understand how. It's our big story in the Wichita Business Journal Weekly Edition this week and the topic of this episode. We'll talk to a couple of Wichitans who know about cryptocurrency and how it works. First, a couple of notes about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Reporter Brian Horwath provides an explanation of cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, and key to it all, blockchain as well. That story begins on page 16. The latest installment of our series of stories on Wichita is a great place to start a business. This week we feature One Million Cups as a resource for entrepreneurs. That's on page 9. A special report this week on health care, including an update on all the medical office construction going on in Wichita these days, page 10. This week we spend 10 minutes with the new executive director at the Tallgrass Film Association, Paul Milroy. This week's list, a new one. Physical Therapy Facilities, a complete list of facilities ranked by number of licensed physical therapists. That's on page 12. Our Leads section is a great business resource. You can see who filed a new lawsuit, filed to create a new corporation, real estate deals, who owes federal and state taxes, bankruptcies, and building permits. Look up our Leads section. It's on page 28. Back in a moment. Welcome to BizTalk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. Well, we hear the terms often, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain. We hear about investors making a bunch of money in cryptocurrency, but many of us have no idea how this new system works or how to take advantage of it, or if we should, that's why we wrote about it this week and why we've invited a couple of Wichitans to talk about it. Jason Taves is Vice President of Technology for Alice Analytics. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Bill. And Alan Klaus, Director of Business Development for Star Lumber. He's an investor and spoke to Wichita's Rotary Club this week on the topic. Good to see you again, Alan. Thanks Thank you, Bill. Here. Glad to be here. Well, let's kind of keep it basic. How do we begin to explain for listeners the concept of cryptocurrency? When I think about Bitcoin and the blockchain, I think we need to have them think in terms of, of a payment system. Okay. And when I think of Bitcoin, if they can start by thinking about their credit card, when they use their credit card at a store, they're basically swiping a magnetic strip, and that's taking a series of numbers and sending it through the Internet so that it goes to the bank or wherever it goes, their financial institution, and then the bank's checking an account verifying a balance and posting a transaction. So on it goes. Well, Bitcoin is a, a different system. People, it works in a similar way. It's almost like sending money through email. And they, some people call it internet money. The difference is when the transaction is posted, let's say, for example, I send you Bitcoin, I'm using a Bitcoin protocol, and I'm using an address sending you money. And when I send it, it's posted to all these nodes, which are basically, they take the place of the banks. It be, it's posted to the entire world, basically. And there's a process that, that the system goes through to verify that I have the money. And then once it sends you the money, 
I can't get the money back. That's what makes Bitcoin and blockchain magical is that it's a, a trustless system. There's no intermediary in the middle. Jason? Yeah, I, I think Alan's right on the right on the head with that. And at the end of the day, this is something that Alan had in this in his rotary uh, presentation, which was it's it's all about trust, right? All of these blockchain based technologies is about closing the trust gap. And it's a really good way to think of it. Bitcoin is a way for us to trust one another in transacting wealth or, or money. Um, however, that's valued. So if it's valued as a Bitcoin or if it's valued as US dollars, we have some method currently to trust one another when we exchange money. Right. And I, I think that's probably the most powerful way to think about this uh, is, is closing the trust gap or in, in areas of our lives today where we have a big barrier to trusting one another when we exchange things online specifically right how do we how do we create a technology that reduces the amount of trust that we have to give other people and we can trust a system instead of a middleman reducing, reducing risk right yeah you're trusting a technology or a program instead of you know an entity or somebody else who can be corrupted We've talked about Bitcoin, but there are other cryptocurrencies out there. What are some of those? I think some of the top ones you have already mentioned, uh, Ethereum, Litecoin, uh, Ripple is a big name. And then there's a lot of other no-name cryptocurrencies. I don't like to call them all cryptocurrencies. It's a little misleading. But at the end of the day, they all serve uh, a function currently, with, which is transfer of uh, of wealth within this trading environment that's been going on. Now, at the utility of each one of those, uh, there's some lower named cryptocurrencies like Power Ledger, for example, that actually facilitate the transfer of solar energy from solar producers to consumers who want to buy solar electricity specifically. Mm. And their tokens, which are traded and people speculatively trade that to make money, their tokens actually are facilitating the transfer of electricity. These are cryptocurrencies or these, uh, these items are in use right now as we speak in, in, in that world, right? Yes. Yeah, and I to chime in with what Jason said, I think when people think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, often well, many people don't think about it, but Bitcoin might be the first thing they've heard of, mm -hmm. but there's an entire world out there of these coins that are coming to market and some of them are being brought to market by bad actors but many of them are what we would call utility tokens and their sole purpose is to kind of perform a transaction one of my favorite things to talk about is identity protection there's a token out there called civic and i think it's a brilliant idea and and a lot of countries don't have well-established identity protection like we do in the u.s and even here in the u.s we struggle with it right and if people could just imagine when their baby was born, being able to put the information about their child into a blockchain, which would basically mean it's a secure ledger that the whole world can see. And then people could never again tamper with that fingerprint and that name and that social security number. What a powerful thing it'd be. And then to race forward to a business case, what I've learned since I've been in the system is that if I'm a credit union and you come to set up an account, I'm probably going to spend at a minimum $20, just getting filling out forms and getting you onboarded. Right. And every place you apply for credit has to onboard you. Well, if you have a company like Civic that has 
stamped your information. They've been verified by the power company and the bank, and it's already been proven that you are who you are. Once that's in the blockchain, all those other companies would have to do is just come grab that information with a token. And you could cut out all kinds of fees, and, and you could make the whole system so much faster and safer. Just one example of something that's not a cryptocurrency, right. but a utility token. Talk a little bit more about blockchain and how that plays a part in, in this whole system. Yeah, so blockchain fundamentally is the technology behind all of these cryptocurrencies. It was first introduced in the Bitcoin white paper back in 2008. And uh, it's this idea that solves essentially the double spend problem. Uh, the double spend problem is just confirming that somebody cannot double spend a, a transaction with two individual people but look like the same transaction. And a lot of this was solved through... Um, some deep mathematics, cryptography, um, and they set up this, this, this system, this network, if you will, that allows individuals to create trans transactions in a secure way that can preserve the anonymity of the individual, but also confirm that yes, they do, they do indeed have this to transact and that they, they can be a part of the network. And there's a consensus model built within that. So the network is checking and reassuring that, yes, this transaction can be made. And that's what actually fuels um, miners. So if anyone's heard of Bitcoin miners or people mining cryptocurrency, the miners are the ones who are contributing to the consensus of all these transactions. Okay. It's a rough concept to grasp. It probably took me conservatively three or four months reading it several times and then talking about it with people and, and the idea that there's a ledger out there a digital book in the sky where all these transactions are recorded is right. really what kind of the magic of it is that one it's it's like pages in a book and once the information gets recorded it can't be changed again and that's what makes the blockchain work so well now somebody might say how do we know it can't be changed and this is where we get into some really deep components of okay. the blockchain. So I'll try and make it simple. <laughs> uh, the most standard example of this is, is what we call proof of work, right? So all these miners, they're just individuals or companies who have dedicated a lot of computers to check and create this block that is locked into what is the blockchain, a chain of blocks that are all locked in that confirms transactions. And the way that they do this is through cryptography. So the mathematics of solving for a prime number. Okay. And at the end of the day, all of this work that's going into each block takes a lot of computing power. And to ever change or, or make any kind of edit to the blockchain, so let's say you wanted to go back three months um, in time and change one of those transactions. In order to do that, you would have to be able to compute the entire blockchain, so all of the blocks from the very beginning to that point to edit it faster than anybody else in the world. Wow. So it's very unlikely. Right. Pretty secure, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. 26 trillion computations a second right now going into basically securing the blockchain. So you'd have to have a system... Not only faster than that, but fast enough to go back to the beginning and start over and beat them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Where do cryptocurrencies get their value? It's difficult 
to say for each one, right? And I think we easily identify Bitcoin as the most popular one because there's a lot of speculative trading that goes around it. Um, there's a lot of people that believe it's worth $90,000 a coin. There's a lot of people that believe it's $0 a coin, right? In, in comparison to the US dollar. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, and, and I, I really enjoyed Alan's presentation the other day, we have to, we have to go back to fundamentally what is money, right? How do we identify that a dollar bill is worth anything right. in the US? And for a lot of people, especially outside the US, remember Bitcoin is competing on a global scale, right? A US dollar is, is most worth uh, to somebody within the United States. If I go to Puerto Rico, I can use it. If I go to Australia, I've got to use the Australian dollar. Right. So Bitcoin is something that you can use wherever, right? And that's the power of digital currency and in Bitcoin in particular, because anybody around the world can adopt it where maybe their own currency is corrupt or uh, governed by a government that wants to do them harm. And so there's a lot of reasons for them to adopt something different. And the difference with Bitcoin is the barrier to entry relatively is very, very low uh, for them, right? If you're in Argentina, you use the Argentinian peso right. or you don't. Right. And if Bitcoin comes on the scene and you can download an app and maybe mine some Bitcoin with an old computer that you have at home and all of a sudden send and receive Bitcoin to other people. Wow. That's I mean, that's a huge change. Right. Where are they being used now? Can you use it to buy and sell goods or services on the Web? The use cases are a challenge for the whole cryptocurrency space. Some examples, I do know, for example, Overstock.com was famous for being one of the first companies to take Bitcoin. There are merchants scattered around the U.S. I don't want to give your listeners some perception that you can go buy a donut with Bitcoin. It's right. not really a cost-effective transaction. But what's happening is that in other countries, there's a much broader acceptance of the idea of digital money. And I think it will it'll transport to the U.S. The the places where you there's going to be other coins besides Bitcoin that will probably end up becoming the crypto that would be used for day to day buying coffee and things just right. because of cost and speed. Litecoin might be a great example of that. It could be Dash. It could be um, I don't think it'll be Monero, but there's other currencies like that. And so to use it to buy things, I think right now it would be to buy houses, cars, big transactions, somebody willing to take Bitcoin. Yeah, and fundamentally, at the end of the day, Bitcoin right now, like you were saying, Alan, is a terrible way to buy anything because it's treated as a speculative asset, right? The U.S. government's looking at it as property instead of currency. So there's capital gains involved at that point, uh, or the implication is there. Uh, that was changed this last December. And I think one of the things that we need to realize when we look at Bitcoin as a currency is that it can't truly act as a currency until that changes, right? right? Until we have some more structure around it. I know Expedia is using uh, or accepting Bitcoin. Microsoft actually accepts it for a few small things like game-based stuff. Um, but there's massive companies out there that 
the everyday listener would know and recognize uh, that are accepting Bitcoin. And Overstock is a great example. Mm. Overstock's actually changing their business model to be a cryptocurrency and a, a Bitcoin-centered company. And that spiraled all out of the owner's kids telling him about Bitcoin one right. day way back when. So, I think Jason and I both wish it would the government would maybe treat it more like a foreign currency and exempt maybe $600 transactions and below, something like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I also understand the government's reluctance to you know, go headlong into this. There's still a lot of infrastructure to be built out, a lot of regulation. We've got to, there's just a lot of things that have to happen. This is very early days. I, I liken it to dial up with the internet. Mm -hmm. That's where we are right now, yep. listening to modems go, yeah. <laughs> making all that funny noise. We're early, right. early, early, yeah. Well, and I think one of the things fundamentally is the exchanges really have to work out how are they going to facilitate the transaction between U.S. dollars and any kind of cryptocurrency, right. Bitcoin or anything else. And an exchange is a website that you go to where you can change your U.S. dollars, send it in from your bank account, and then they sell you a, a cryptocurrency. That's how you enter into the market. And until they figure out their back-end technology, because there's been explosive growth at the end of last year, where there's so many users coming into these technology companies that they can't scale, or they're not ready to scale yet. Right. And, I mean, imagine if we had the stock market, and we had no concept of the stock market, but we had to start it tomorrow. And we had to get from point one like day one to right. where we are today like how could we do that wow um and and that's kind of the analogy that i i try and bring people to is right. it's like let's reboot the stock the stock market from from day one all right how do we do it it's interesting jason said that i was just i was with my cpa last week getting our taxes done and we were talking about the the crypto part of my portfolio which is small but but it was he was working his way through it and he explained to me and I had never given it much thought. But back in the early days of the stock market, there was very little information you could get from your brokerages back then. It really was dependent on the person to say, I bought IBM stock right. at this price on this day. And it wasn't very well tracked. And we're we're getting better. All of the exchanges are producing more information that the IRS would want. But it's all coming. It's just it just takes time. Yeah. At some point you guys were where we are now, perhaps. Didn't know anything about this. How did you guys come up to speed on crypto? I think for myself, it was many late nights staring <laughs> at an iPad, just reading, reading, reading. Right. Uh, honestly, I think the the best way to understand cryptocurrency is start reading. And then when you're comfortable, start doing something with it, right? If you buy a little bit and just try and make a transaction send it to a friend send it to your mom it doesn't matter just see and feel how it works and say this is for me or it's not for me and i think that that's that's that point of entry where everybody has to say okay am i comfortable using a smartphone every day well it's easy after you do it for a while right. but it's that barrier to to get rolling that really sparks your interest right yeah i would have to encourage people just like jason i mean I, all of mine came from reading books and then setting up a Coinbase account and then sending a little bit to my brothers. And then, you know, then you learn about a new coin and then you go down, as I call it, go down these rabbit holes and you start right. learning about things like whether it's be protecting your identity or something related to, uh, you know, what's the uh, anonymity of cash or 
I don't know. I mean, there's so many use cases. Ethereum to me was just mind blowing. The idea of a smart contract that was mm -hmm. digital. And so there it's, it's a very long learning curve. I think the people that get on it though, will probably be pretty well rewarded. Fast forward 10 years. That'd be my guess. Right, yeah. right. And this is not financial advice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, it's, it's like the stock brokers of tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? So if you were to go back at the beginning of wall street and say, I want to be a trader, you have to learn everything about all these companies. How can you make a decision on whether to buy or sell something unless you know fundamentally what that company does, or maybe you just follow the crowd. And I think that that's the difference between people who um, get into cryptocurrency and, and really enjoy it and the people who um, just want to make a buck. Right. What advice do you have for people who want to know more about it? Are there specific resources that you would recommend to folks who say, okay, I've hear, heard the podcast. I heard Jason, heard Alan talk about this. I want to take the next step. Where should I go? Well, I'm excited to share that we actually have a conference here in Wichita coming up on April 5th called Disrupt ICT. And our very first uh, event, it's a half-day event with a happy hour afterwards. Uh, uh, it's, it's all about blockchain. And it's, it's geared more towards the technology. I'll actually be presenting about Bitcoin and other digital assets at that event. But we would love to have people come out um, and just talk with the community. See who here in town can be your fellow cryptocurrency nerd or your cryptocurrency buddy, right? Because once you find that individual, you can go down the rabbit hole very fast. Right. Yeah, I think that I signed up for the conference when I learned about it. I think it sounds great. I will tell you that if all I've listened to a lot of things and I've read a lot of things, and there there's a book by Chris Berninsky called Crypto Assets that I think anybody who's really serious about this really should read before they put their hard-earned fiat currency on the table. Right. Because if you do this just because other people are doing it, then don't be surprised if you get scalped. Right. You know, you you have to understand there's gigantic differences between these tokens. So you're going to have to do the homework. There's a podcast by a lady named Laura Shin that was she was part of Forbes. It's called Unchained, and I've heard incredible thought leaders on the space from that. That happens to be a really good one in my mind. Mm -hmm. so hopefully that helps. Well, Jason Taves and Alan Klaus, thank you for helping us understand a little bit more about cryptocurrency here on the podcast and in our story. Appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll probably be talking to you uh, a lot more about this topic, I imagine. Thanks for being here. Thank you very Thank much. You, Most bankers are good at banking talk. What you need is a banker who knows how to talk business. Your business, that is. I'm Andrew Cheney, commercial lender here at Equity Bank. If you've got plans to grow, we're ready to talk about your business. Visit equitybank.com. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week. We release a new episode every week. You can see the others at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Our audience is growing. Thank you once again for listening and subscribing. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear from, please let me know. I'll do my best to get them here. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. On behalf of the great staff here, thanks for listening. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter. And thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Have a profitable week.